Welcome to the Harvest Seymour Podcast. Come check us out and see how God is moving in this community. If you would like to know more, check out our Facebook page, or you can visit us at hcfseymour.org. Have a wonderful day. So this morning we're starting a new series, and this new series is all about valuing the presence. Valuing the presence of God. And so in this past season that we've been walking through, the Lord has been strategically leading us and preparing us for the the upcoming season. And see, every season, you know, has new challenges and has new opportunities and it has a lot of bright and shiny things that are from Him that can really intrigue us. I mean, the Lord has a great vision for us will be stretched, and he has a lot of blessings and promises in that. I mean, we're going to be venturing out into some uncharted territory. It'll be awesome. It'll be great. But of all the things, all the new vision, all the new things that God could ever do, the way, in all the many different ways that he could bless us, our eyes must be locked on Jesus without fail. Amen? And so which brings us to, to this morning's message is presence focus. Presence focus. And so I want to open with these three scriptures. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. This is Moses speaking for the Lord here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Psalm 27, 8, this is David speaking. And he's having a moment of encountering the Lord. And he says to the Lord, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And then, then Jesus says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's pray. Now, so, Father, this morning, I pray, Lord, that we would just be opened up and be able to see how you're all around. You're available. You're near never far, always close, that you're a good, good father, and that all of your plans for us, they are good. And Lord Jesus, we give you the highest praise, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being here and now among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so in the first scripture, Moses spoke this way, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. David says, my heart seeks your face, oh God, it's, it becomes relational. Then Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And so, so Moses, David, and Jesus all place the priority on putting the Lord first and making the Lord's presence a priority that, that they would be your number one and your all in all. Moses speaks of it as a command for your heart. 
How many of you know that's a good idea? Someday you just got to tell your heart what's up. Kind of like what Jessica was saying earlier about telling your soul what's up. David reveals it as being a desire for his heart. That after he had lived a life following the commands of the Lord, all of a sudden it's the desire of his heart. But then Jesus reveals it that seeking him is actually the secret of life. That seeking Jesus is the secret behind having a full life. And see, here's the deal. Moses dealt with an incredibly rebellious people while the Lord's manifest presence was there. I mean, kaboom, he was there. You know, like pillar of fire, remember that? But still, people were very rebellious. And so Moses, he comes to this moment with the Lord where the Lord was really basically frustrated. And the, and the Lord says, you know what, Moses? You and all them folks, just go on without me. Go on into the promised land. Have a great time. See you later. But Moses said, no, 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 Lord. Hey, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. If, if you're not going to lead us, I don't want to go there. If your presence is not going to be among us, I don't want to go there. And so here's what you have. You have Moses who was not willing to trade any promise for the presence of God. See, all the time we get duped into thinking, man, if I could just have the promise, if I could just have stuff, that life would be great. But see, here, the promises, the promises are just the bonuses of life. This is the bonuses of knowing Jesus. How many of you love it when you get surprised by a bonus? Bonus, yes. And it makes life fun. But, you know, really, Jesus is the promised land. That if you have him, don't we have it all? And so Moses wasn't willing to trade. Then you look at David. David, this good old shepherd boy, living out in the wilderness, tending sheep, but while tending sheep, would sing his heart out to God. Loved on God, him and them sheep. Loving on God. And then the time came about that the Lord identified him as being, man, this is a man after my own heart. And then, of course, he becomes king. And, and whenever he becomes king, he decides to center the entire nation around the presence of God. As a matter of fact, he puts his throne right next to the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted, if he says, if I'm going to be king, I want your presence with me, God. And you know what? You fast forward all the way to the worst day of his life, to whenever he's confronted over the sin over his life, and he's confronted by all of the junk that he had, all of the sins that, with Bathsheba, with, with killing of Uriah. And, he, and this is what he prays. He doesn't say, God, don't take all my stuff away. Don't take away all the glory of my kingdom. What does he say? No, God, don't take your spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. He knew that the priority was on the presence of God. 
He knew that everything that made him who he was was actually the Spirit of God. And then we come to Jesus. Jesus, who is the Father's master plan, he was the Word become flesh and dwelt among us. And he taught us about his kingdom. And he taught us about the lifestyle of being presence-focused. We see him going into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer and and he was constantly spending time with, with the Father. He would go hide on a mountain and pray. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's on that mountain again. And he teaches his disciples that his spirit would be with them and on them and around them always. Until finally, he pays the ultimate price on the cross. The temple veil was torn. And everything that separated man from God's presence was dealt with. And that whenever the temple veil was rent, God had this great coming out party. He's like, here I am, boys. And his presence and his spirit was made available to every one of us. Now let me give you this little nugget right here. You remember when it was said of Adam... He used to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day while he was out tending the animals. He just enjoyed the presence of God. Everything that he did, it was with God. I think there's even a scripture in Genesis that says that he could hear the sound of him walking through the garden. Here he comes. I hear his footsteps. Here he comes. Because of what Jesus did, because of how he has made himself so available, that in a sense, the Lord has restored the garden. Are you with me? And so that when you go to work, he's with you. That whenever, whenever you vacuum the house, he's with you. Whenever you are baking cookies to the glory of Jesus. He's with you. He never, ever, ever leaves you. That you've been invited back to the garden. So I have three truths that I want to share with you this morning. Here's the first one. It's a new day in his presence. It's a new day in his presence. See, in the old covenant days, if people wanted to meet with God, it required a lot. It was actually pretty costly. You needed a sacrifice, a priest, and a trip to Jerusalem. By mule. Happy thoughts, right? Well, I want you to know that kind of thinking still kind of goes on today. You see, what happens is, is people believe that if you really want to meet with God, you got to go to church. Now, let me say this. Going to church is always a good idea. Amen? Amen? But here's the deal. There's so much more available to us. It's always a good idea to go to church, but it's just like, this is not my Jesus time. It's just me and Jesus. No, your whole life. That you're, you're never really outside of him. You see, going to church is an act of worship. 
and I get positioned to hear God in a fresh way, but there's still more. He doesn't want to stop there. He might start there, but he don't want to stop there. Let me give you a, a scripture, Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall become light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So I don't care how dark it is, how dark you may say life is. You may doubt whether or not God is there. I want you to know he's always there. Always has been there. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. This is his earth. He dwells everywhere. You can't hide from God. See, the presence of God is just as real in a bar as it is in church. The only problem is it's maybe one doesn't acknowledge him as God. And whenever you don't acknowledge God as God, you don't get to enjoy his benefits. You don't get to enjoy him. I remember hearing this story. How many of you know that song um, that Chris Tomlin really made famous, The God of the City? You're the God of the city. The story behind that song is that it was, it was written by a worship band that actually went to a bar, and they were playing music. And, of course, everyone was ignoring the things that they were doing, and so they erupted, and so they decided, and they just kind of got into this moment with themselves as a team, and, the, and just began to sing spontaneously, just began to spontaneously just worship um, the Lord right there in this bar. And they started singing this chorus, like, greater things are still to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. And so in this place, they just began to honor and revere the Lord in this bar. Began to worship Him. And then all of a sudden, people began to look up and tears began to flow. And people who were quote-unquote, far from God, all of a sudden they were just met with his awesome presence. And people began to come to Christ. Now was God void and then showed up? No, God was always there. It's just somebody had the faith to begin to recognize how awesome he was. And then all of a sudden everyone in the room began to wake up. Oh, my goodness. The God of this city is right here and now. So you are never really outside of his presence at any point in time. But if you don't acknowledge him, you don't enjoy him. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So if you're a Christian today, Holy Spirit lives in you. He's stuck on you. He's in a covenant with you. That he'll never leave you nor forsake you wherever you go. He is there inside of you. Dwells in you. 
So Christian, if you're a believer today, you got a double whammy. Not only is he all around, but he's inside of you. John 14, 18 says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. See, in the kingdom of God, there's really no such things as orphans. There's only sons and daughters. Why? Because, because the Father will not leave us unattended. Where is my comforter? He's here. Where is my hope? Where is my answer? He's here. Where's the one that I can lean on? He's here. Where's the one that has the answer for what I'm supposed to do? He's here. When Jesus died and rose again, ascended to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. Which brings us to the second truth. Practice the presence of God. Now, typically what, what, what some think is like, you know, they get up and spend time with the Lord and they go, okay, I did my daily devo with Jesus. Check that off the list. We'll see you in a bit, Jesus. Or, I want, see, Jesus' intention for our life is not for us to wake up in the morning and, go, and for Jesus to say, hey, we've got a meeting this morning. Uh, listen, can we cut this short? Because i got to meet the Father in 30, okay? <laughs> no, see, the Father is not ever transactional. It's always been relational. Always been relational. See, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. And I love this because he said this one time that the kingdom of God is like leaven hidden in dough. How many of you understand that's the worst place to hide leaven? Because whenever you put leaven in dough, eventually that dough is going to rise and everybody's going to know there's leaven in that dough. Why? Because the leaven gets into the dough and it becomes a part of all of that dough and it begins to rise up in the same way God's desire is for the leaven of the kingdom of God to come into your life and take over your life. But it's not a hostile takeover unless you make it one, right? You see, his goal for our lives is not just to enjoy him on Sunday, but to delight in Jesus while we're hooked to a plow, dragging it across the field. Enjoy him while we're at school. Enjoy him checking cows to bake cookies in the presence of God. To teach school with Jesus, to nurse patients in the hospital with Jesus. All of, all of you, the nurses and doctors, I mean, just Jesus is walking with you. I mean, I can't think, I mean, like when I think about the profession of, of the medical industry of, of just the heart to see health and healing and wholeness, come, I go like, man, what the, of course Jesus is with you, my goodness. What would it be just to imagine the Father with you while you're doing laundry? Vacuuming to his honor, delighting in his presence while grilling a steak, or more so eating one. Now, how many of you in your imagination of all of the daily routines and chores can actually see 
that reality for yourself. Some of us might say, Pastor, that's a stretch because some of those chores I actually cussed during. It's hard to imagine, you know, you being with me. <laughs> but here. But see, here, here's the deal. Your life situation, your 24-7 is your training ground for the, encountering the presence of God. Every, everything, every bit of your life is your training ground for the, encountering the presence of God. What would it be for you if by faith you were to say, Lord, you want to come check cows with me this morning? Dear God, please go with me to school this morning. Or, or by faith, to say, Lord, come with me as I go visit these patients. If in our mind's eye, by faith, we can begin to understand that the Lord actually wants to do life with you. Now, the meeting together of the saints, like what we're having right here, dude, this is awesome and this is great. It really is. But that richness of life, he wants to go with you everywhere. He wants you to practice the presence. And I, I want to read a quote from the book called The Practice of the Presence. Now, this book is by Brother Lawrence, and it's literally over 300 years old, this book. Brother Lawrence, he was a monk. He was clumsy. He was awkward. Some people might have even called him strange at different times. But he happened to serve as a chef in a monastery. And at first, he really hated it. He really hated cooking for all of his other brothers. But he learned to enjoy God through that process. And I want to and, and read to you uh, from, from this book, Practicing the Presence. This is what he says. The most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons, at every moment, without limiting the conversation in any way. This is especially important in times of temptation, sorrow, separation from God, and even in times of unfaithfulness and sin. We must try to converse with God in little ways while we do our work, not in memorized prayer, not trying to recite previously formed thoughts. Rather, we should purely and simply reveal our hearts as the words come to us. Whatever we do, even if we are reading the word or praying, we should stop for a few minutes as often as possible to praise God from the depths of our hearts, to enjoy him there in secret. Since we believe that God is always with us, no matter what we may be doing, why shouldn't we stop for a while to adore him, to praise him, to petition him, and to offer him our hearts and to thank him? The Lord has made himself so available. Where you can talk with him all day long. No matter what you're doing, he's with you. So I want to give you a strategy here. 
Number, here's, which is point number three. How, how do I actually do this? Well, get started with a thank you. Get started with a thank you. I want to read you a scripture out of the Passion Translation, 1 John uh, 4.15. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God, and God lives in them. So check it, check it out right here. So those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God, and God lives in them. Right before Jesus went to the cross in John 17, Jesus says, Father, make those who believe in me, make them one in me, I in them, and us in you, Father. So Jesus prayed that we would be in Jesus, that Jesus would be in us, and that we would be in the Father that we would all be made one. You see, through your faith in Christ, He's in you and you are in Him. There's no real separation ever. So the question is, so if I'm in Christ, Christ is in me, we're in the Father, how do I actually connect to that truth? How does that become real? How can I connect to that? Well, it really can begin through your thank you. See, when with your will you give thanks to God, you're taking charge of your soul and you're telling your soul, soul, I want you to love God right now. I know you don't feel like it, soul, but I'm telling you, soul, to love God and begin to adore Him. See, in, in that thanks, in that thanks, you're taking charge of your soul. In your thank you, you're leading your heart to love God. So now, everybody put down your pens and pencils. We're just going to take a moment to actually give our thank you. This is not the end of the service. So if you can just close your eyes. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, just begin to picture Jesus in front of you. In your mind's eye, I just want you to picture Jesus and just imagine him right now taking your hand. And as you're holding hands, just tell him thank you. Just out loud right now with your own voice. Thank you. Just begin to thank him for how he's blessed you, how he's watched over your life, how he's filled your life with goodness. Thank him that even in the dark days when you couldn't see him, that he was still there. Just give him your thanks. Amen. So now how many of you, just from, you just take a kind of a self-evaluation. Does your, does the posture of your soul feel a little bit better? I see, it's in our thank you that we are leading our soul 
to the good one. It's in our thank you that uh, taking charge of our soul that ushers us to connect, ushers us in to connect with him. See, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. See, to enter into his courts or enter his gates, that was to be into his presence. And so we know that he's never gone, but see, the gate is really us. <laughs> Lord, I'm opening the front gate with my thank you. I'm not going to close off to you. See, taking time to direct our souls with thankfulness to God ushers us in. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence there is the fullness of joy. What if joy for your life was just a thank you away? Hey, self-evaluation time. What's your joy level like right now? If your joy level is down, it's time to come into the presence of God. See, people think, People think that, man, if my circumstances will just change, then I'll have joy. No, what you're looking for there is happy. That would make me happy if that would change. Yes, but that's fleeting. Lasting joy is never found in a change of circumstances. Lasting joy is always in the presence of God. Jesus is our hiding place, our source of joy. I want to read another quote real quick from Brother Lawrence. The trouble that happens in this world can be, become like a blaze of straw that goes out even as it's catching fire while our soul retains its interior peace with God. The presence of God is then the life and nourishment of the soul. Well, see, when we make the habit of coming into the presence of God, that all of our circumstances can be not so crazy. But in the presence of God, I can have peace. Even while there's a storm, I can be at peace on the boat. And if I learn to cultivate the presence of God with that peace enough, then by faith there will come a day that I can stand up in the boat and speak to the storm and say, peace, be still. So that what's in my inner environment takes control and begins to dictate to the external environment. I'll let you think on that one. I won't dig any deeper on that. But I want to finish with uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight out of the Passion Translation. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. There is some weariness that is actually a condition of doing life without Jesus. 
Coming to Jesus is always the answer. It's always the answer. For all of life, come to Jesus. It'll be your first step, your second step, your third step. It's every step. It's always come to Jesus. And see, what happens is, is we find ourselves carrying heavy burdens because we haven't been coming to Jesus. We got yoked to worry. We got yoked to anxiety. We got yoked to fear. And so we don't experience the rest that he gives. Is there anybody here that just could say like, man, I really need to find rest for my soul. That I need to experience Jesus as being my oasis. I tell you what, I want to be at the front of that line. You see, anytime we find ourselves yoked to something other than his presence and other than his goodness, we're eventually going to find ourselves in a place of spiritual burnout. See, there's always refreshing in coming to Jesus. I heard this story by Pastor Joseph Garlington several years ago. But he tells this story of he was visiting a church and uh, he walked into this prayer meeting that they were having, and there is this man walking on his knees with his hands up around the entire auditorium. And this kept going on and on and on for a while, and he's going like, what's up with that guy? That's a little, that's a little different. Until, so, but it kept going on long enough to where he goes like, he leans over to the pastor, and he's like, hey, uh, What's up with that guy? And he goes, oh, you don't know the story? Well, see, here, here's the story. This man had one of, one of the best jobs, but eventually got laid off. And after he got laid off, he soon lost his wife and his kids. And after he lost his wife and his kids, he lost his mind. And before long, he found himself living on the street, sleeping in cardboard boxes. And then someone from our ministry team went and shared Jesus with him. So in that process of him coming to Jesus, he got his mind back. Before long, he was able to reconcile with his family had a roof over his head. And so his act of walking around the room on his knees with his hands up was him just saying thank you. And that was how he said thank you for all that God had done in his life. You see, coming to Jesus pulled this man out of a dark place. And his gratitude, his crazy gratitude, was his way of keep on coming back to Jesus. So I want to take a moment here and just say there might be somebody here today that maybe you've never really came to Jesus ever. And maybe you've had a question, is there even a God or 
or maybe where are you, God? Where were you, God, when this happened to me? Beloved, he was there. And because he was there, he can actually speak to that situation. He wants to meet you right where you're at. By the way, he is the most kind and loving person you'll ever meet. And if that's you this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to meet him. You're going to have a moment to invite Jesus into your life. But for many of us, how many of you just say, man, I'm just tired of doing life on my own? How many of you got a vision for inviting Jesus into the, your every square inch of your life? Amen. You're never outside of his presence. You're never far. But Jesus is saying, come on. We can just take a moment just to bow our heads real quick. But I want to just ask the question real quick. If you today have been asking that question, where are you, God? And you've never at any point in your, in your life ever really said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you, Jesus. If that's you this morning, could you just take a big risk and just slip your hand up and just say, I, just, I, I think I would like to give Jesus a try. If that's you this morning. You want to come to him for the first time? Okay. How many of you have just been weary and carrying burdens you weren't meant to carry? One person, huh? Come on, just lift your hands. Let's just show these hands. Yeah, okay. I want to pray over you. So, Father, right now, the things, Father, that we've been yoked to. I pray, Father, right now for a breaking of that yoke. The things that have been distracting us from you, Lord. The worries and the concerns. Lord, we want to just put those things in your hand. Lord, teach us, Father, to put those worries and fears and concerns, to place them in your hands, Lord. And Lord, help us to guide our heart just to be so intrigued with you. Lord, I pray, Lord, in the upcoming days and weeks and hours, Lord, that, you, that we would just engage with you and acknowledge that you're always with us and all around us, Lord. So, Father, by faith, let it, we just invite you just to come and be really real to us. Be really real to us, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, for bringing us back to the garden. That we can walk with you in the cool of the day. That we can do life with you. Lord, I pray, Father, that we would just be so aware of how close you are. And we give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed day.